Hi everybody, my name is Ian and I'm doing my honors undergraduate thesis in the use of explainable AI in health. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Dr. Pritwish Chakraborty. Dr. Chakraborty's work is fascinating, but I think the main takeaway for you from this episode is his use of XAI user studies to elucidate personas. The last thing to mention here is that this work is being done to promote the Explainable AI in Health International Workshop. Uh, this workshop is being done by Dr. Ying Ding and the UT Austin AI Health Lab. With that, I sincerely hope that you enjoy the episode. Very nice to be here, Ian, and thank you for inviting me. And you know, just as a brief round of introductions, um, I'm Prithvish. I'm a research uh, staff member at IBM Research at the TJ Watson Research Center. And you know, my work for the past like few years have been on finding uh, like you know actual applications of XAI in healthcare and uh, actually going beyond just the algorithms. How can we actually make explainable AI in a way, not just to you know, increase uh, the model's confidence, but actually make it useful to our end users. And so that has been my you know, uh, research interest and as well as uh, like you know, significant part of my job and very excited to be part of this amazing group of you know, people and doing this interview with you, Ian. Thank you so much, Ian. Um, I think I'll start with kind of more of a general question of just what do you see as future issues uh, in the future of explainable AI and health, whether that be um, having to do with uh, training biases or, or any other issues you see? Right. I mean, you know, excellent point. And I was, you know, I, I have got to admit, I did look up, you know, the amazing list of speakers. And, you know, for example, one of the one of the other speakers, Hima, uh, had an excellent paper very recently where you know it was pointed out this idea of disagreement between um, like different people in how people use XAI right and it often comes down to personal bias so you know 2022 has been off to I would say an amazing you know start in terms of critiques of explainable AI I mean we have you know past few years an explosion in trying to understand how black box model works but now like we are taking a step back almost to see like what have we actually learned right so you know as you mentioned things such as you know there are training biases you know methods how you collect the data and so on something that people have been identifying a lot is you know if you have a good explanations that can actually create a sense of false trust where you shouldn't trust the model right so so for example right if you have a model that actually is not well fitted uh, but you you see like the top features and those match with your intuition of the domain, right? It kind of engenders a false trust or a snazzy visualization, right? So, you know, people have been like, you know, starting to identify those aspects, right? And, you know, I think it's great. Uh, on that note as well, this has been identified by, you know, different governments and so on who are, you know, looking into this idea of, uh, like, you know, what is XAI and how, how are you going to, like, you know, manage different aspects, right? You know, GDPR and other stuff are requirements, right? But like, how do you achieve that? So, you know, I think these critiques, I, I do foresee like those going to be a central focus. People are going to start applying these and rigorously testing them in different domains to figure out, you know, just like Hima's paper is an excellent, you know, empirical study. Uh, so similar empirical studies as to, you know, where it works, where it doesn't work. And, you know, in terms of future of explainable AI, I think, you know, uh, the way we, I think, and, you know, I think uh, it's a lot of people in IBM think in the same way, 
explainability is just one component and you really got to hold, like think about the whole right explainability fairness robustness transparency there's a whole ecosystem right and so that's i guess going to be a huge focus um yeah and then i'm excited for the journey to see like you know what we come up with what the community comes up with and you know try really trying to understand how ai models should be used in practice all right so uh, dr chakraborty um, how do you suggest we deal with issues of interpretability it seems like um it's inherently subjective it depends mm -hmm. on the end user could you maybe expand on on how you define specific goals for interpretability absolutely and you know it's a great question Ian, and kind of flows into what we were just discussing um you know as i mentioned hema's paper like you know found this really interesting thing like you know almost it comes down to personal choice right and there's other aspects you know explainable ai uh, like sometimes people don't usually know what they are doing, right? Like, you know, we have seen the critiques of saliency maps and attention maps and so on, right? And really, I think the, the reason behind this is that there are no universal definitions of explainability, right? I mean, we have a few metrics uh, that measures some aspects such as, you know, brevity, right? Or faithfulness for your original prediction. Uh, and you can even find those metrics implemented as open source codes in, you know, different repositories and packages like AIX360. And they do measure important aspects, right? But again, they are, if you have ever heard of this parable of, you know, seven blind men and going to see the tree, like the elephant, and everyone comes up with, you know, the elephant is a trunk or a leg. It's kind of that aspect, right? So it's very hard. But, you know, in that simile, right? compared to the elephant, which, you know, you can somehow define, I think explainability is inherently hard to define. Yeah. And, you know, there's has been some research on this, like, you know, Michael Hind and so on. Um, you can compare explainability as a way of conversation. And if, when you compare that to the human, you know, human computer interaction and social sciences, human uh, conversation is very hard to define. Like, when did you have a good conversation or when were you able to actually express ideas? Uh, but there is work, right? So there is work. It's it's not a dead end, but it's just a really hard problem, right? So uh, I think, you know, dealing with issues and interpretability, I think it's two prongs. I think one is to, we have to study and like to bring, bring into conversation these social scientists because they have studied these phenomena in, you know, human interaction for a long time. Uh, we do have to bring in domain experts, right? Because oftentimes, and this is something, you know, we have mentioned in our KDD, uh, you know, keynote and in some of the different works, it's almost user-centric, like, you know, what people kind of expect out of explainability and, um, and we have to cater to it, right? Um, at the same time, guarding against their possible biases. So kind of showing what they want to see, but also kind of showing them the bigger picture, right? And so this, this, there's some work and there's actually a lot of work going on, but to have this interdisciplinary uh, kind of, you know, uh, formalisms. And the second thing, which, you know, in my own work, I have been relying on a lot because, you know, the former is a great goal, but it's possibly a longer term goal is, is to actually look at the problems from, you know, bottom up. So basically start with your users, start with the domain experts. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, bring in the, like the rigor of, you know, user studies, trying to identify like what they want and, you know, go through that whole process, try to identify, you know, who your users is and so on. We have come up on this idea of personas 
and for your you know different problem settings and we try to cast each of our problem in those personas and then we try to you know see how like you know what are the important things for that persona and one of the key things that we stress is that a single person can have different personas depending on what tasks they are you know doing so that's something good to hear uh, so so i i think you know user centric is one way it's possibly not always really scalable so there is some effort need to scale out there but also bringing in everyone into the conversation is is a is a really important part yeah just one um common um um through line that i've gotten from interviewing uh, the attendees of this conference was the importance of humans in the loop and how you're describing um, when i asked them what is the future of explained by ai they think that it's they, they all say you know, working with end users. So that being said, I think they'd be very interested to hear more detail on your um, XAI, um, your XAI uh, user studies, mm -hmm. um, maybe differences. If you could expand on the personas, maybe what yeah. types of personas? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so absolutely. So, you know, one of the main things that we have been looking at, and again, as I said, like we are doing this at a bottom-up approach. And one of the you know, way that mentions is, uh, and for interested listeners, I would actually refer them to go to Michael Hines paper, where uh, a, a charted uh, persona like different is given. But again, when you do for each of your different problems, you can come up with different personas. So one of the, you know, our user studies, we, so we did the study for uh, some work on type 2 diabetes uh, complication prediction, and as actually a journal paper currently under review. And what we, uh, you know, kind of did under that setting was to interview clinicians, and we actually also had a, a clinician, uh, clinical researcher, uh, guide us to the through the process, so that we are, and you know, even when we are doing the research, we know that we are somehow in the right line of the problem because often defining the problem is the hardest part. But then we conducted like you know full scale uh, user studies with clinical experts something really interesting came out. I mean, uh, uh, so, you know, one of the things, as you mentioned, is the human in the loop, right? But, you know, as humans, we are ourselves really biased. And each of us come from, you know, different viewpoints, right? So you cannot, you cannot just base your entire thesis on a single human's viewpoint, right? Even experts. And so we interviewed, you know, clinicians, some with many years of experience in the field as a PCP, some being specialists, uh, some who are who have transitioned into research uh, and not practicing anymore, some who are still practicing, and each of them tend to look at different plots, right? So I'll give you one example. So, like you know, we we built up this kind of like a what we call contextual explanations, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that during my keynote. Um, and, you know, the way it worked out is some clinicians would want to look at more of the surprising questions and they would not want to look at um, like, you know, very thing that they would think are in the literature, like they already know it, right? And they are more interested in seeing like, can the AI tell me something new that I already didn't know? And some other people, like their, like, you know, measure of effectiveness was to actually kind of like, you know, corroborate that the AI is using like the same kind of features that they would expect from their medical knowledge, right? And so 
it comes it boils down to the human's persona like you know their perception their years of experience right so there is a personal but when you go down into it and we had a paper about that at amia it's also kind of scenario based like you know everyone is using the tool to solve certain problem so in our type 2 diabetes use case if it's a, a person who's coming to see the pcp for the first time after being diagnosed with diabetes the kind of questions and kind of explanation they need are very different they would try to understand why does this person has diabetes and so on whereas you know when they come up for like their follow up right then diabetes is well established and the doctors kind of already know that person so then they are trying to understand this phenomena where it's is the diabetes controlled are the treatment that i am making making any changes to their you know prognosis and so on and they would try to gain those aspects so you know that's that's one of the beauties of user centric xai into which you not only are able to you know this incredibly complex topic and you are able to present that with all the different kind of information and let the user you know drive what you need to present to them but also some of those requirements you can you know take back and improve your models so um, that's something that i have been you know working on for the past few years you mentioned um, different types of personas and how a single user can have different uh, sure. personas um could you maybe give an example from um this uh, type 2 diabetes uh, project would it be the physicians change over time and what the physician needs to know or could you maybe explain on that yeah absolutely so i so we typically look at these in you know two different types right so one is let's say the broader personas so in imagine you are in a super specialty hospital and you know there are different units who are like you know working in conjunction to provide care to this patient and so you you have people who are maybe more in the administrative side of the things and they are maybe putting on the persona of an administrator and they are trying to look at different things such as you know their uh, efficiency of care their cost of care their ben- like you know those kind of things um you may have different people such as like you know radiologists and other lab people who are looking at different aspects so you know they are because they are looking at you know things such as lab values and so on they are interested let's say you have this you know ai assisted radiology they are interested in different aspects just to make their work easier then you have your bedside physician who wants the right amount of information at the right time and perhaps may not always be you know like you know very interested about knowing the inner details of the model right like how performant it was like they probably would just trust the model has been verified right and that brings us to like let's say the program coordinator who before allowing a ai to be used in practice would probably know like want to know like you know kind of like a regulatory authority right like you know is the ai performing as it is are there like you know biases creeping in and so on right so that's you know a very scenario specific and you can think of you can divide this personas and by their roles uh, another broader category that we can look at is you know by their discipline so for example in our uh, kdd keynote we talk about things such as uh, data scientists who are building these models and they are looking at different aspects and perhaps more to do with model debugging whereas there are clinical researchers who are taking these models and trying to you know map them to different problems that the hospitals can use 
and they are looking at different aspects. They are kind of almost, we call the translational role. And then you have finally the clinicians who have a different hats. So there are broader categories, but then if you go down to each of the different problems, you will be able to identify separate personas in them. And uh, we actually talk a lot about this in a recent paper and it will be published in cell patterns uh, like this May, where we go in more details about this topic. You mentioned that your work and you in particular at IBM are very focused on application. What would you say like your persona would be? Would it be more towards the, the model creation or like that exactly. might be more? Yeah. Great, great question. And, and I will kind of, you know, um, like use my words and kind of say it is. So I primarily, primarily wear the hat of a data scientist persona. Um, however, uh, you know, when I'm, you know, let's say I'm leading on mul multiple number of XAI projects for health. And I also have to like, you know, like wear the hat of sometimes like, you know, uh, a program manager, right? Or a project manager where I'm trying to find model building is fine, but you know, what is the overall problem we are trying to solve? Is it going to be of value, you know, in for like the general community for our, you know, end users for the business and so on, right? You know, where is this coming from? So again, so I would primarily say data scientists, but you know, going back on what I was saying, a single person can be, you know, wearing different personas, perhaps, at different times and different depending on that you know there are personal biases but on average they would be looking at different aspects that we're going to use that can we maybe go into more specific details on um like the types of explainable ai methods or interpretable methods sure. that you think are maybe the future so i i personally am a great believer in some of these black box models and that's mainly coming from, so there is this paper where uh, it was reviewed, you know, a number of different clinicians uh, were taken through different uh, XAI methods. And, you know, largely they were trying to figure out if it's, you know, self-interpretable methods or, you know, black box models and so on. And, you know, at the end of it, they were happy with black box XAI methods because they didn't really care about how you got to the methods. And from a real life usage, uh, black box, you know, post-hoc explanations also gives you this, you know, flexibility of composing pipelines, so to speak. And for example, you may take a model that is trained in one institute and you can take that and file using for your problem, you can still use like post-hoc black box explanation methods. I'm a, I'm a great, like personally in my line of research, you know, I strongly favor local explanations because you know healthcare is incredibly complex. And oftentimes when we are dealing with a huge population, there are these you know, different edge cases where we want to know for this patient, what are the most important aspects and uh, local explanations kind of you know, gives that. Um, I also use a lot of you know, contrastive kind of explanations. So um, you know, this method of you know, contrastive explanations method and uh, model agnostic contrastive explanation methods, I think both are in AIX360. I heavily use that in my own research. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's one of the main uh, like reasons behind that is I want to understand like, you know, just beyond saying like this is an important feature, I want to understand how the feature uh, affects 
uh, this person's you know overall prognosis, right? Um, so you know, but that's basically talking about things that are already you know out there. I think in future uh, there is a huge need, and you know, for example, Mihaela van der Schaal's group is focusing on that as to you know bring these kind of techniques to more like temporal data and to explain at the same time time points and features um, there is also a need for more of you know sharp has its limitations but it it is very grounded in theory so there is i think a need for more of this contrastive method that are more grounded in theory like sharp uh, even though again like going back to the simile of the elephant and the trunk we may be looking at the trunk, but at least if we know and tell people that this is a view of the trunk and one day we'll get to the elephant. But for now, when we say like what aspects defines a trunk, we have some formalisms behind it. So I think those are the things that would excite me to be used in the future. Thank you, Dr. Chakraborty, um, so much for what you shared so far. Do you think there's anybody else we should interview or connect with um, to talk about these topics? Yeah, I mean, I would first of all, you know, thank you for assembling such a nice cast. There are people from, you know, different, uh, you know, venues and different types of disciplines already. So I'm sure you will get a very well-rounded uh, interview. One, you know, group of people I would highly encourage you to get, uh, you know, maybe interview with are patient representation groups. And, um, and one of the main reasons is that, you know, when we talk about these personas and, you know, I'll be the first person to, you know, raise my hand up, like even during our KDG tutorial and the paper, we acknowledge the patient persona, but we just don't have the, you know, I personally didn't do enough research into that persona to kind of figure out um, like how well we would present their viewpoint. And we acknowledge that and we move on, but they are a very important part of this whole ecosystem. And, you know, when you think of like these new things such as, you know, wearables being approved by FDA for, you know, certain kinds of medical diagnosis, uh, like we have to think of what would the patient, you know, uh, expect out of such uh, devices or like what would the patient expect when a doctor is looking at their charts and which is, you know, showing information from an AI assisted point of view what would they expect that method to convey? Would they want like, you know, detailed information of how the model performs, some way to look that up, some way to follow that up. So I think that's a conversation as AI model gets deployed. And again, I bring, you know, mention this wearables getting, you know, safety approvals. So as they get, you know, into the mainstream, I think there's a huge uh, gap. I'm sure a lot of people are working on it. But I think such voices needs to be also, you know, brought into the machine learning community so that, you know, when we, again, I wear the hat of the data scientist persona, I, I would know more about like how my model needs to be, you know, performing. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Chakraborty, for your time, for your expertise. Um, this was an amazing interview and I learned so much from you. Thank you so much for, you know, having me on this uh, keynote, sorry, on this <laughs> interview and great questions and you know thank you for you know doing this interview i'm excited to see the full version and you know uh, best of luck